What's up, everyone? Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Copan. It's April 15, 2022, and this is Lift and Learn episode 83. In this episode, I'll be talking about how lifting actually can strengthen the bones. Everyone knows that lifting weights makes your muscles strong, but did you know that it also can make your bones stronger? Ooh, well, it, <laughs> it does. And I'll talk about that one first. And then in the second topic, I'll talk about times where you shouldn't hit the biggest muscle group first in a workout. Before that, though, I'll talk a bit about what I've been up to lately, and that might include fitness-related topics, and it might not. If you want to follow me, your host, on Instagram, it's isaiah.copon, and you can also check out my website, isaiahcopon.com. The podcast is on Instagram, at liftandlearnpodcast, on Twitter, at liftandlearnpod, and also on Facebook. You can just search Lift and Learn Podcast. With that being said, let's get into it. So first thing I got to talk about before I uh, talk about anything else, the good old NBA, I actually ended up going to the Raptors game with my mom this past week, which was awesome. That was my first game of the year, and I'm pretty sure it was the Raptors last home game for the season. So I'm glad to have gone to at least one game this year. It's been so long, actually, man. It's been so long since since I've been there, actually, since the pandemic has been around for the past few years. So that sometimes meant no fans in the stands or half capacity, but now it is full capacity in there right now. So uh, me and my mom, and we've been doing this since as long as I can remember, we bust downtown into Toronto and that was the worst, like that was the worst traffic I've had to sit in. Uh, oh, actually I had to stand on the bus for like almost two hours because the bus was so packed. Um, what else? Um, oh yeah, I think that was also because... That was the day when I went to watch the Raptors game. Toronto was super busy because, yeah, the Raptors were playing and it was also the Blue Jays home opener. So, yeah, it was absolutely nuts. Uh, The Blue Jays game uh, home opener had like 45,000 people, I think. And there were quite a bit of people at the Raptors game, too. But it didn't look like a sold out crowd. Uh, We watched the Raptors play against the Houston Rockets. They're not a team making the playoffs right now, so I didn't actually expect them to put up a fight. I was just trying to soak in the atmosphere there, so I went to the merch store in the ACC. Oh, sorry, Scotiabank Arena or whatever it's called now. Uh, I had to just browse around that store for a bit. They have these super nice black and gold jerseys and jackets, but then I looked at the price. Oh my, it was like, I think it was more than $200. I was like, screw that. But I think it'd be cool to see a, to, or to get a Scotty Barnes jersey. I just hope he stays in Toronto for a long time. Before the game started, I made sure to grab a slice of pizza. Again, growing up, going to games with my mom, she would always grab me two pizza slices at halftime. So this time I got one before the game started. And then I had another slice before the start of the fourth quarter. Yeah, uh... About the game, though, the crowd wasn't really that loud, I feel like. Maybe because it was Friday and because it was the Rockets, who they weren't great. They have a lot of young talent, though. They have this rookie, Jalen Green. He's partly Filipino. Also, it's pretty cool because he's a pretty damn good dunker, even though he did not show that at the All-Star Weekend. The first basket of the game, I'm pretty sure, 
it was him just absolutely crushing this two-hand slam and that was basically the first and last time i heard his name yeah he didn't have a great game kevin porter jr on the other hand he had a great game i remember last year he was like my fantasy team savior (laughs) but yeah when the game started houston came out hot actually they were up by like 24 points or something at one point i think it was the first quarter or maybe it was just the first half uh yeah the raptors were getting slapped um but i don't know you just had this feeling that they were just gonna get back and eventually get the game closer so most of the game the raptors were just like inching their way back into the game eventually we did tie it up with like six or seven minutes left in the fourth then after that it was pretty down to the wire the crowd got into it at that point for sure that was the biggest pop of the crowd when when the raptors finally tied the game I even noticed in between segments, the announcer guy was constantly telling us to get louder, but it wasn't as loud as I remember it being before, but I mean, I'm sure in the playoffs it'll be hyped the whole game. So the crowd really didn't get into the game until we finally tied the game, briefly held the lead there, and in the end, Gary Trent saved the day, nice floater there, four seconds left. Yeah, that was huge. That was the last home game for the Raptors before the playoffs this Saturday, playing against Philadelphia possible future MVP there, Embiid, even though I still think it should be Jokic. I I think he'll win still. But this is an interesting matchup for the Raptors because Philly probably wants their revenge for 2019 when the Raptors won in, oh my god, super dramatic fashion. Everybody remembers that Kawhi Leonard shot. Oh my god, bounced on the rim like four times. Sometimes I watch that on YouTube and I like tear up actually. (laughs) Uh, this time we don't have Kawhi Leonard though, so similar core group of players, they've gotten better over the last three years, that's for sure, plus Scotty Barnes, I think it'll be interesting, I think the Raptors have a pretty good chance to win, even though Shaq said that Philly's gonna sweep the Raptors, yeah, I don't think so, that's, that's hard for me to believe, yo, we got that championship DNA, good coach who can counter Embiid, oh, and Harden too, I mean, they'll try to contain him for the most part. It definitely helps that Thibel, Matisse Thibel, he's one of Philly's best defenders, not fully vaccinated, so he's going to miss the, te- the the games that they play in Toronto. So I think there's three games there, so he's going to miss those. There were a few play-in games this past few days. They weren't too exciting. Charlotte got blown out. Spurs got eliminated. They tried to crawl back. Uh, they tried to crawl back into the game late, but I mean, too little, too late, and. Yeah, like I said earlier, MLB started this week. Blue Jays started off the year pretty hot. I mean, nah, not really anymore. Four and three, they lost last night. Um, But, yo, they slapped the Yankees. Uh, Oh, actually, no, I think they only won one game. But Vlad Jr., franchise, man. Three home runs in a game off. Well, he hit two off. uh, Who's it? Garrett Cole, who's like, I think he gets paid the most in the league. This guy hit two off of him. That's... That's nuts. Uh, Yeah, he's a beast. He'll probably have a better season this year, right, than last year. He's only 23 years old. This guy was born in 1999. So, yeah, I'm starting to feel old now. And as I get older, I'm starting to see the value in certain things that I definitely didn't growing up. I started reading at the beginning of this year, and I'm also kind of into journaling now. Oh, my God. But eh, it's more like just reflecting daily. I got this moleskin notebook for $5 somehow. I thought it was an error, 
but I mean, that was a good start. And as I was just browsing around that Kohl's bookstore, I went up and down most of the aisles just looking for anything to catch my eye. And because of that, I started actually reading a few more books this week. Oh my God, never ends. I need to like just finish one book at a time because like I'm getting too ahead of myself. But anyways, uh, this book by Neil deGrasse Tyson came out in 2017. It's called Astrophysics for People in a Hurry. I just started that one, but also another one caught my eye. This book called, um, what is it? The Urge, Our History of Addiction. That's by Carl Eric Fisher. Oh man, I think that might be an interesting read. The intro got me hooked, actually. I never thought I'd be someone who reads every day. I still like think it's kind of weird that I'm doing it, but I don't know. Like Sometimes when I don't read, I just don't feel like my day's complete now. That's... Oh my, if I told myself this in like 20, let's say 2010, 12 years ago, if I told myself that I'd be reading every day, yeah, I probably wouldn't believe it. If I would like went back into the past and like I told them to like start reading then instead of waiting till now, yeah, I probably would have thought I was crazy. I never did it growing up, never interested me until now. I don't know why. It's just a way for me to maybe get my mind like constantly or maybe to stop thinking about everything. It just relaxes my mind, de-stresses me. So yeah, that's been great the past few months. And with the journaling and planning with my notebook, that should help me be more organized and scheduled. I've gotten uh, into this habit of just spending around 10 or 15 minutes before bed this week, just planning out my week a bit and just doing some writing prompts. I don't know, to write more? I don't know. Like I'm trying to get into like an imaginary state, do some self-reflecting. I don't know, man. I don't know what's going on with me. I'm like a changed person. (laughs) I've even been writing like memorable quotes in there. That's just another reminder to not just get distracted in this world we live in. I know it sounds kind of voodoo coming from me, but I don't know. It's been really beneficial, I think, to my life on a serious note. And uh, one thing I have to mention, since this is a fitness podcast, maybe most of you aren't really into bodybuilding or follow bodybuilding. That's okay. But I am sad to say this week that we lost another bodybuilder, man. It's too many to count at this point. Cedric McMillan passed away only 44. He's been dealing with some heart problems these past few years. So he hasn't really been too active on the competitive bodybuilding scene these past few years. I remember him having a tough case with COVID, which was leading to some heart problems. He got into a, I'm pretty sure, a serious accident when he was riding his bike. Yeah, he's had a few tough years. I think he also had some gut issues lately that he's been dealing with. Unfortunately, never won the Mr. Olympia title, but I'm pretty sure his most memorable, uh, what did I say there? But his most memorable, there you go, uh, his most memorable win was probably the Arnold Classic back in 2017. He won that show and he got to meet his idol, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Question one, how lifting weights can make your bones stronger? So pretty much everyone knows that lifting weights, aka resistance training, we do it to grow our muscles. So we know this already, everyone does, and we know that it increases our metabolism also. Basically, there's a ton of benefits when it comes to lifting weights, but a reason that doesn't get highlighted enough is this right here. Lifting weights can also improve our bones. That's bone density, bone strength, which means less bone loss, which is something that naturally happens as you get older. 
Now, this research hasn't been around that long, but it's been pretty much confirmed at this point that this actually does in fact happen. Before, it was thought that, uh, yeah, bones, they grow and some of them actually fuse as you get older, but that you can't really make them stronger because they're bone, just that hard material, or so we thought. But now we do know that bone can actually adapt to the stresses you put on it. This means that bones can actually grow stronger by repeated stress acting upon it. So that means by lifting weights and other weight-bearing movements. What happens is that the muscles and tendons apply tension to the bones, and that sends the signal to make more bone tissue. Muscle tissue and bone tissue actually communicate with one another and build stronger together. It's all one unit. And I found this out and confirmed this a few years ago because most of my clients are elderly and they doubted the effects at first. I mean, I was kind of on the fence about it. I wasn't sure. So we'd work out and these were individuals who were at risk of osteopenia and, uh, and osteoporosis because they are older. So we'd work out, lift weights, focus on compound movements, and I just remember this one female client in particular would get regular checkups every few months because she was really at risk at the time. That's why we started to work out and train in the first place, and then we would see what we could do to combat some of these issues. So after a few months of lifting, when it was time for her checkups, the doctors... I mean, they were surprised at how well her levels had been doing. I think it was specifically her bone mineral content, which tells you how strong or dense your bones are. After they saw how those levels were doing, trending in the right direction, they legit, they just told her to keep doing whatever, whatever it was that she was doing, and that was resistance training. This kind of training is super effective when it comes to building muscle and even more importantly, bone strength and density and tissue. It makes everything stronger. It's not just about the muscles you build. That's just a small portion of the benefits of resistance training. So yeah, even if you have osteopenia or osteoporosis or maybe you're in danger of, it, of getting it, developing it, it could actually reverse this in most cases. No medicine comes even close to the effectiveness of improving your bone strength like resistance training does and those calcium supplements they may help a tiny bit but if you really want something that will make a real and meaningful change to your bones like i said ton of other benefits too it's going to be resistance training lifting weights is what you need to start doing so what's the best way you're going to have to train heavy. And this means heavy for yourself. It's all relative. Yeah, that could mean starting out with 5 or 10 pound weights, if that's what's challenging. I mean, that is most more challenging for uh, some people to start. Uh, of course, you got to focus on form first, especially if, you're, uh, especially if you're someone who's older. Traditional training is the best thing you could do. So form and stability is first and foremost, of course. But when you're comfortable, anywhere from 5 to 20 reps would be great for a client or anybody looking to improve bone strength. Most exercises will be challenging. Uh, you don't necessarily need to try to PR every week, but you will have to challenge yourself. Again, that could mean 10 or 20 pound dumbbells to start on an inclined dumbbell bench press maybe. That might not sound like, uh, like a lot, but that's going to be enough of a stress for your body to send a signal to build and grow muscles and bones and tendons. Or a squat, starting with just body weight. Again, that'll be challenging for most people who are older. That's still going to build a huge amount of muscle and it'll strengthen your spine and your whole body because of the amount of work you're doing and the stress on your body. That's that adaptation response. 
the most uh, important exercises are those compound movements. So squats, rows, deadlifts, get the form down and perfect first. An underrated, super underrated exercise here could also be farmer walks. That's where you have dumbbells in one or two hands and just walk with them. Take a few steps with that in your hands. This uh, simulates a real-life activity like bringing groceries into the house. This helps day-to-day activities. Full-body movements are super important. They're the key when it comes to building the whole body and, again, translates more to real-life activity that the individual will be doing. So focus on your training on just getting stronger than you currently are. That's what matters. That's what's going to send that bone-growing signal. It's not so much about getting to the end of the dumbbell rack, just challenging for yourself. And this is going to take time to get to this point if you're new to resistance training, but after a few months of training, you should see improvement in, I mean, bone-related metrics. So start training, getting stronger today, and after a few months, you'll notice that these daily activities just get easier and easier to do. Question two. When doing the biggest muscle group isn't always the best option. If you're going by the science of the fitness industry and what the studies are showing, then you should know going by the textbook example of how to train properly, then you might have heard that the best way to train ideally would be to train the biggest muscle group first and then go down in that order. This is pretty obvious when you're doing something like a push-pull legs routine. So when you're doing a push routine, that involves a bunch of pushing movements. So that's chest, shoulders, triceps. Uh, Going by the science, that means you would hit your chest first because it's the biggest muscle of the three there. Then you would maybe do shoulders, then triceps. In this situation, the logic here is that you're going to hit your chest first, which is the compound movement, and it's the biggest muscle of the three. And the whole point of that, you're going to want to hit the chest first. Since you're fresh, you're starting the workout with the most energy, right? And hitting the chest here would actually also include the shoulders and triceps. They're helping out with your chest exercises. They're the smaller accessory muscles. If you were to do shoulders or triceps before chest, that could negatively impact the max output when it comes to doing bench press because like those smaller muscle supporting muscles there, smaller accessory muscles, they're going to be weakened a little bit. Ultimately, you could be a bit fatigued before you do your chest movements because those supporting muscles have already been used. So this is the same thing when it comes to a pole day. You hit your back exercises before your biceps usually, and then during legs, you'll hit deadlifts or squats before going into your accessory movements like leg extensions or leg curls or calf raises. That's what most people do. So this week, I finished a book from Mike Menser, and this is why I thought about talking about a topic like this, because that book raised a good point about kind of flipping that whole workout structure on its head. So he was talking about actually doing chest before back if you have an upper body day. Now, going by what I said earlier, you should do back first because you should do your biggest muscle group first, right? Well, Not necessarily. So in this case, he brings up a good point. You want to have enough energy for the whole workout. And if you're doing chest before back, you won't be as fatigued. But if you were to do back, then follow up that, sorry, follow that up with chest, you might have expended much more energy already from doing back because it does require you to hammer your muscles. It's a big muscle. It takes a lot out of you, maybe a lot of volume there. Um, Yeah, it depends on how intense your workouts are. That's going to pretty much uh, drain your energy a little bit so that could be leaving you feeling gassed after 
So if you are trying to bring up your chest or a lagging body part, it makes sense to hit that first, regardless of what the bigger muscle is, and I'll expand on that in a bit here. So even in my own experience training clients, now that most of my clients are doing a full body routine, this has become pretty clear over the past few years. So going by traditional methods, if you're doing a full body routine, the typical way would be to do legs before upper body. So that would mean squatting before hitting the upper body on some days. Here's the thing though, squatting, super taxing on the body. And I would notice that after doing a few sets of squats, my clients would be gassed and tired and basically would have to put like 50% effort towards the rest of the exercises. So by the time we were doing chest and back, the second and third exercises in the routine, my client would be pretty tired, maybe having to take extra breaks. So basically after a few weeks of training this way, it would be tough to make progress because they'd be squatting and exerting just so much energy as soon as the workout starts, then they wouldn't have energy for anything else in the workout, the rest of the workout. So that's when I decided to switch up the routine. So doing a full body routine, we'd actually do some upper boot, uh, upper body movements first and then finish off the routine with legs. And some, doing something like that has actually worked out a lot better. They were able to see progress in strength and muscle built on, the, uh, built on their upper body after a few months of doing this while also still seeing progress on the lower body as well. That's because hitting the upper body actually isn't even close to as energy, uh, energy draining as doing lower body compound movements are. So that's a perfect example of a time where you might want to think about switching up the routine, maybe not always hitting the biggest muscle first in your routine if it interferes with the rest of the workout, or, which is my next point, if that gets in the way of certain goals you have. Now, when we're talking about workout programming, this is where a client's goals or maybe your own goals come into play here. This is exactly when hitting the biggest muscle groups isn't going to benefit you. I have another client, okay? The goal for this guy I was training was to grow the upper body, put some mass on there. But again, by the time we hit upper body after doing a few sets of squats, he would be out of breath. He just wouldn't have the energy to work hard when it came to bringing up the body parts that he wanted to focus more on. I've already outlined what happened here. We do legs first. He had no energy for the rest of the workout. The imbalance continued and it got worse over time. So in a situation like this, it would be much more beneficial and better for the client's goals to actually do upper body first, which is counter to the fact that in most situations, you should do your biggest muscle groups first in your workout. He was just telling me his legs are big enough, so our goal there is just to maintain the amount of muscle or the amount of mass his legs have, but we wanted to really focus on the upper body. So we do chest and back and arms first, and then move on to squats or deadlifts, and that's been great in terms of his own progress, and his upper body finally is starting to transform to something he was looking for. It all depends on the client's goals. Or if you're just talking about yourself in your own training, then whatever your own goals are. So if you're trying to bring up a lagging body part, it makes much more sense to hit that before you do the bigger muscles. If you're trying to bring up your hamstrings or something, trust me, I know this one from experience, you might have to hit hamstrings first. Maybe that means some hamstring curls or an isolation type of exercise like good mornings or stiff leg deadlifts before going into your squats because when you're doing your squats, you might notice that you don't actually get much activation in your hamstrings. Now, in terms of my own personal experience with this, I've talked about it before. You already know what I'm going to bring up. 
constantly trying to bring up my calves. I don't know what to do here. And usually I'll do them last. So here's a pretty good effort on my part, okay? So I'll usually do them last. I did that all the time before. But now I have the tendency on some days to actually do them first as soon as I walk into the gym. That's because I'll have more energy to hit them harder, and it makes it highly unlikely that I'll skip them if I do them first. Because if I do hit them last, that's where I'll like half-ass it because I already went through a full leg workout already. I might be running out of time, so I'll use that as an excuse before I have to go do something else, maybe train another client. So then I'll end up getting lazy on some days, skip them if I'm short on time. Things like that happens more often than you might realize and that could make the imbalance even bigger than it was previously. Same thing if you're a female. Another common issue, you're trying to bring up the glutes, because, you know, everyone wants that big booty, right? Maybe you don't feel your butt working when you do squats. See, this would be a situation where you might not want to do your typical warm-up and then just go right into squats. You might not have learned yet exactly how to target the glutes while you're squatting. This is where it would be a good idea to do some targeted warm-up drills, or exercises to pre-activate your glutes. This is where banded exercises can help. Now, usually you'll see influencers focus on growing their glutes by doing dog pees and glute kickbacks with bands or the cables. I mean, the value of those exercise, uh, exercises sorry, aren't really to add mass or size to your glutes. You shouldn't center your workout around those movements. For some people, maybe it really does work for them, I have no idea, but doing those smaller movements are great when it comes to pre-activating your glutes before you get into doing squats or something like hip thrusts. That's where you're really going to grow that mass in the right places, and that can help you connect to the muscle a lot more as opposed to just doing squats and then doing a burnout with glute kickbacks afterwards, or maybe that's your finisher movement. You may not see the progress you're looking for that way, okay? So those right there are some examples of when you shouldn't do the biggest muscle group within your workout. I think it is more common. I just wanted to bring it up to make you think about training in a different way. Training the same way all the time, your body's going to adapt to it. So change up those reps sometimes, change up the tempo, change up the number of sets you do all the time. And there are also some benefits when it comes to hitting smaller muscles before you get into your bigger compound movements. If you're someone who trains full body, this could be really something for you to try out, especially if you have a lacking body part. Try different things and see what your body responds to. That's a Mike Rashid quote, actually. Uh, more often than not, though, you will be hitting your biggest muscles first in your workout, but like I said, it's good to switch things up every once in a while so that you'll give your body a new stimulus to adapt to, and that's when there's real progress to be gained there. And that concludes episode 83 of the podcast. Thank you for listening. If you really enjoyed the episode or my podcast as a whole, then please leave a review and comment on iTunes or whatever your choice of podcast platform is. Also, if you haven't already, you should hit that subscribe button because I'll be releasing episodes every Friday. If you want to follow me, your host, I'm Isaiah.Copon on Instagram. And you can also check out my website, isaiahcopon.com. If you want to follow the podcast, you can check out at Lift and Learn Podcast on Instagram. And there's also a Facebook page if you just search Lift and Learn Podcast.